0: Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you this week for our midweek sermon recap. Uh, we've been going through a series focusing on worship. What is worship? Who do we worship? And we've got to the point in this series now where we're talking about our corporate worship, our public gathering that we do on Sunday mornings. We also have worship here, though, on Sunday evenings uh, at 6 that we do also Uh But on Sunday mornings is when the majority of the people are here uh, with the church. And so asking the question, what do we do? What what does God's word tell us to do uh, during these worship services? Uh, And how we are starting that is with the ordinances that God has given us. Now, it would make complete sense to start with baptism and then do Lord's Supper. And that's not how we did it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, just because of scheduling a little bit, I already had a Lord's Supper plan, so that's why we did Lord's Supper first. Um, and so this past week, that was the focus, was Lord's Supper. What, what is it? Where, does it? where does it come from? And so I read the account in Luke's Gospel, found in Luke 22, uh, verse 14 to 23, of when the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper. He's with the disciples in the upper room. They're observing Passover together, and it gets to the point it says and when the hour had come or, or sorry, and when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not eat I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes and when he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me and likewise the cup after they had eaten saying this cup that is poured out uh, for you is the new covenant in my blood but behold the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table for the son of man goes as it has been determined but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed And they began to question one another, which of them it could be and who was going to do this. So then Luke continues on, but that's where we, that's where we stopped. All right. Lord's Supper. Something I wanted to get in our, our minds early is I think something that's interesting with Lord's Supper. And I'm sure there's other things we could say like this, but it is a an ordinance that was given to us as a church that we join in a very long history of churches partaking in. And I like thinking about that. I like thinking that thousands of years ago, if you went to a good faithful church, they would have been partaking of Lord's supper. It might look different than maybe how we do it, but the same general idea of taking bread and taking of the wine and it, rep- it being body in blood, thinking about Christ, right, and what he has done for us. Um, there's something, uh, I don't know what the word would be, something maybe even even moving about us joining in that tradition that has been happening um, so long. I don't know if you guys got any thoughts and I don't know if I'm doing a good job of explaining it. Uh, I was even trying to think of an illustration while I was preaching that would, you know, like... I don't know. I don't know if there's like family stuff that people do, of something that was passed down, you know, for a long time, and and there's just a, a specialness thinking like, well, my great grandfather held that and read out of that book that now my dad is doing. You know what I mean? Or now my kids are hearing from. Um, there's just a connection, almost. You guys get understand? Am
1: I? Am I? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm.
0: I feel like I'm sounding weird. You guys are nodding yes, yeah. but no one's saying anything, so it's like. They're nodding. I want I'm everyone to, know, they're for you they're to stop talking. <laughs> you know, you,
2: this is awkward. I'm talking. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm Decoling. Why aren't you guys oh, some... still talking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I mean, I, I I think that the Lord's Supper should make us feel like that because part of what it's doing is symbolizing our fellowship with one another in Christ, and that fellowship is not limited uh, to the local church. We we do have fellowship with the universal church from not just those who are living right now but those who have come before us in the past um we're relying on the same things we're part of the same body in that sense and so it, it it should have that kind of deep significance that you're talking about i think sometimes maybe if we lived in a different country like england or something like that with a very long history where they probably do have traditions that go right, back yeah. hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. and hundreds of years that would make a little more sense to us but us as americans with a fairly young country we don't really think of it like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have other cultural things that we can attribute that go back that far yeah. like many yeah.
1: other places do. Mm-hmm. I was even thinking, even as you, you tied in the whole narrative of the Passover out of Exodus and how, even though we're not Jewish, we're, we're still a part of that, you know, in the mm-hmm. in this new covenant Gentiles grafted in and it's the same principle of the blood that cleanses the atonement and the idea that it's it's a meal that we can have together and all this death is going on around us you know as it was in Egypt and yet we're celebrating this meal and that's like we're I mean you're talking thousands of years that we're following in those footsteps it was really neat yeah I would even thought while you were uh, talking about
2: this on Sunday of how the Lord's Supper like if I, I've been to church in a different country before, where they're speaking you're talking a- about Kentucky is that what you yes, Oh, yes, exactly. They're speaking a different language <laughs> <laughs> um, but in a different country where I can't really understand what is being said, but if if they were to celebrate the Lord's Supper, I would know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I would be able to take part in that fully. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and because that that goes across, it's, that's, I think, kind of communicating the same thing as what you're talking about, not just in the past, but also across cultures. Yeah. We don't do this because it's a cultural thing for us. This is what the church always does in all places, in all times. It doesn't matter if it's in China or in Haiti or in America or in England uh, or in Israel. It could be anywhere. Uh, it, it unites us.
0: Yeah, and it really says something, as you guys are talking about this more, making me think about when we ask that question, what is it that we do in worship? Why it's so important that we stick true to what the Word of God tells us of what worship is. Because when I go to another country, like you said, Scott, uh, I might not know what the preacher's saying, but I he's preaching. And he's preaching from the Word of God. Again, at faithful churches, there's probably somewhere what they're saying and I don't understand is wrong, and it's not faithful. But again, in a faithful congregation, when they're singing, I know they're singing. I don't really know what they're saying, but they're singing to the Lord and they're singing faithful songs. And these are elements that need to be a part. And same with if they if they have a baptism service. Like, okay, baptism, this is what God has given us. Lord's Supper, this is what God has given us. It's when all of a sudden these outsized sources start to creep into a worship service. you would be like, what is this? Mm-hmm. You know, what is happening? This isn't what, you know. And again, there's different forms of things that can happen, but, you know, when it's something just, Out of the ordinary, and you're like, "Wait, this God never said for us to do this." In here, it just would throw you off. And Lord's Supper is one of those things that really binds us and unites us, isn't it? Where, like you said, when we see it happening, it's like, "I know what's, I know what's going on here. I know what's happening. Uh, They're doing what we do at our church. What God, what the what the Lord instituted in that upper room with the disciples, it's still going on even here." And yeah, it makes me think of uh, Hebrews 12, where he's encouraging that church, saying, "Remember the cloud of witnesses that surrounds you." And that cheers you on even. And uh, we think about that, I think, as we partake. So we read there in Luke that it's it's the Lord who instituted the Lord's Supper. And so one of the things that I wanted to do is say, well, what, where does this come from? What does this mean? And does it have any significance in the Bible as a whole? Is this something that Jesus just pulled out of his hat all of a sudden? And then the disciples are like, what? This is weird. And, and the answer to that is no. And Dave, you had already mentioned it. It has a very close correlation with, with Passover and the Passover story uh, and what happened in Egypt when the Israelites were uh, in slavery. I also tried to point out some other things in the Old Testament that maybe we will have some time to talk about a little bit a little bit more, but just real quick with the Passover is uh, that you know God sends ten plagues to Egypt, and the last plague is the angel. Of the angel that's going to go and it's going to kill the firstborn in everybody's household unless they had a sacrificial lamb, a lamb that they had killed. And then the Bible tells them what to do. You take a, take hyssop, put it in the blood, put it on the doorpost, the frame, the top part as well. And the angel of death will see that and pass over your house and you will not experience death. The lamb experienced the death in the place of the firstborn in that, in that household. And so, we see that the Israelites are faithful to this, and they do this. But they hear the cries throughout all the land of the Egyptians who've been stricken, right? Who've been mm-hmm. who've been killed. And in some commentaries, it said maybe maybe some of the Egyptians sacrificed the lamb. Right? I, 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 some of the commentaries said that. You know, like maybe mm-hmm. there were some believers. And
3: well, we know there was a mixed multitude that left. Right. Yeah, Egypt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would not surprise you. I mean, and if we're honest, in the movie The Ten Commandments, there, was there are some, some. Egyptians yeah, that did. go yeah, inside the house right. and, and they start trouble. They're the ones who want to go back later. Well, there's in the movie. There's in Dath- the movie. Dathan. He's yeah. a, he's an Israelite, but yeah, but he's like up yeah, in yeah, the yeah, Egyptian yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's a, power, it's a very that's yeah, 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 yeah. Scott, have you seen that movie? We're gonna sit you down. I'm gonna where do. Is, c- where is Nathan in the Bible? In we're the gonna Bible? set you down for two. We're gonna sit so you, you two watch different movie. things. We're going to <laughs> go. We're gonna <laughs> take you to Frankenmuth. Oh <laughs> boy! And then we're gonna sit you down in the hotel and room the Ten and Ten make you watch the Ten Commandments. Can't we just watch it
2: on the way. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, we have to watch it, it to on the way back. back. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say. You have to
2: watch. Oh boy! Double feature. Yeah, part two, Scott.
0: Oh boy. So, anyways, to get back to the Bible. We see the Passover Institute again there. And what was interesting, uh, Alex Moter said in the book, what's the book that you're using in Sunday school? It's called uh, Six uh, Ways
3: the Old Testament Speaks Today.
0: Yes. He had a quote in there about how every single household in Egypt tasted death that night. Um, it's just some, I don't know if this was him or me saying this, you know, some tasted death death and mourning and hurt and sadness and just the chaos of what had to be going on. But others tasted roasted lamb, mm-hmm. right? A mm-hmm. meal with a family together. And I was kind of hesitant to say, you know, that there was joy in the house because I would have to think that there was still trepidation mm-hmm. in the houses. of oh, yeah. the, Cause this is something new, mm. you know, and if you are hearing the cries of your neighbors going on, no matter how safe you are in your home, there's still some of your humanity right. that
3: hurts for what's going on out there, right. I, I would assume. Right. Charlton Teston even says, Let death pass by, Joshua. <laughs> he's stuck <laughs> on the movie. He can't get past it. He does. It. He does. He says that. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah. He's got that voice. Yeah. But God. you're right, though. And I think there's, there's truth. There would have been, you know, screams, shouts. And we're told there's, is it one of the Psalms that says the Israelites left Egypt while the Egyptians were burying their their firstborn? <laughs> And that's a vivid that's image, powerful, yeah. of Israel because, because, taking all the gold, all the jewels of yeah. Egypt with them. The slaves God told them, "While you eat, be ready." Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have they, your they shoes eat on in
0: haste. Yeah. Have your shoes on. Be right. ready to go. That's
3: why the bread was was mm-hmm. not leavened. It was right. quickly baked. You're going out tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. And that would have been a crazy idea. All these slaves are going out tomorrow. But they did, and then while you're walking out, you've got all the gold of Egypt. And all the former, your former masters, are over there burying all their children, mm, yeah. and it's like, wow, mm. yep. that is a picture of God's judgment and redemption. Powerful, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And uh, I don't know if you know uh, the name Ray Vanderlaan. He's a biblical scholar, Hebrew scholar, and he does this teaching um, through through the Passover, and he talks about in ancient Egypt, a lamb would have been sacred; it, it was worshipped as a god, and so there is even was trepidation, perhaps with the fact that God commanded them to take the lamb and to slaughter it in in defiance of Egypt mm-hmm. and that there could be the sense of like, Oh, what if the guards come and they see that we're sacrificing this lamb? That would have been a no no in ancient in Egypt. He, and Ray Vandalon brings that out, which I think is very interesting, that there had to be that faith step mm-hmm. on the Israelites' part to actually take the step to sacrifice this lamb, knowing it was not uh, it was against the Egyptian, you know, law or the code mm-hmm. or whatever. So kinda mm-hmm. interesting thought. Hmm.
0: So this Passover is something that was celebrated mm-hmm. for ever after, right? For years on after this, they would continue to celebrate this Passover. And one of the reasons they would celebrate it, the Bible tells us, is they said, "Your kids need to know about this. You need to teach it to them and tell them what God has done in His faithfulness and how He redeemed you as a people." Uh, and so they would continue uh, to do this. Uh, but and that's what we see Jesus doing with His disciples at this moment. It says they were celebrating. Uh, the Passover meal. the Passover was happening, uh, but Jesus institutes something new during this Passover meal and he even says it. He says this is this is a blood of a new covenant, a new covenant that is taking place here. And Jesus is saying a lot in these words that you have to unpack. Again, you got to go, you got to know the Old Testament, you have to study it. Uh, but what Jesus is saying is he's saying he's saying that he is the fulfillment. Of everything, basically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that statement, because mm-hmm. yeah. he says, "This is my
3: body, and this is my blood. Right. Take it." Well, well notice what he's saying right there. Like it's kind of like you're asking the question of Isaac: "Where's the lamb?" Yeah, and Jesus saying yeah. right here. That's yeah. That's good. And then yeah.
0: you're, you're talking about Abraham and Isaac. When yeah. he's going to go kill right. Isaac. Where's the, and the lamb? Like, at? Yeah. And
3: and then Jesus. They're they're probably thinking they and maybe they've already you know whatever. But yeah. Jesus is saying at this point with this supper there's no lamb there but it's because the things they're eating are tokens of him the mm-hmm. lamb. And so here I am. This is the blood that's going to be shed. This is the body that's going to be broken.
0: Yeah. And it's fascinating how often God uses something like some so simple means of like food, mm. you know, to us a cracker, some bread, some juice, a little bit of wine, whatever. Mm-hmm. No big deal, not much special, but God takes these things. And we see this throughout scripture, right? Uh, which I tried to show some of it. And I, you know, if I had more time, I think we could talk more about it. Maybe we can, but you see like in Genesis at the very, at the very beginning, uh, Adam and Eve sin. And what is the act? Right. I mean, we can talk about sin was
3: selfishness, right. wanting to be like God, but right. what did they do? I mean, there was something they that they ate. did. They ate. Right. They ate. And, that, and and right after, it's interesting, right? So yeah, I think that's a very powerful point because they they eat. And it, it brings up a whole, whole discussion, I think, more about, we've talked about this before, about how um, so often in our culture, I think especially, we separate body and soul to a great degree. Um, but this, the fact that you can lose your eternal soul by putting something in your mouth, is highlights the unity of the body and the soul yeah. and as being human mm-hmm, beings. Good, yeah. Also um, we see, so they sin by eating and then later on and later on we see Noah sinning by drinking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with the, oh, yeah. the, of the cup of the wine. He, uh, he gets drunk and so food again is used early on in Genesis as an expression of, of, of sin being brought into the world. Um, or being used in a sinful in a sinful way. And I think then eventually that's why, like what you brought about Tim with uh, Melchizedek coming out with bread mm. and wine, mm-hmm. um, the whole idea that God that God uses bread and the fruit of the vine in order to confirm and remind us, of his grace is a is again a good reminder of our flesh and blood nature as human beings Mm. just as we fell by eating so he's reminding us of the salvation that he gives us by eating Mm. Uh, just like how um, you know destruction came upon the world through the water Um, the water, right. The spirit was hovering over the water at creation and then the water destroys the earth. Mm -hmm. Uh, but God uses water now to remind us of the fact that he's making us a new creation. Mm. And and similarly, the bread and the cup—you see the meal idea through the whole Old Testament. Yeah, they, like I love the fact, Tim. You did a great job. I felt like of bringing out the Psalms. Uh, you you prepare a table before. Yeah, me. Yeah, that was good. In the presence of my enemies, um, Isaiah. I think you you read a passage from Isaiah. Yeah, the
0: passage I really liked was the one in Proverbs. Oh um, yeah, Proverbs that was 9, great too about wisdom mm-hmm. and that was how really wisdom's yeah. built her house. And it says how she's mixed the wine, she's got the bread ready, and it's saying come and it, right and and like calling out to the world. Saying, "Set back yeah. your simple ways. Come right. and eat with me. Right. Come and eat yeah. with me." And you mm. just had this beautiful picture mm. of, you know, well, who is that wisdom? Here? Who is that wisdom? Right, and that's right. what I tried to read. First yeah. right, Corinthians, what was it? Uh, 10, yeah, one thirty. Yeah, where it says Jesus became for us wisdom right. from God. Like, right, he's fulfilling that in, right. in the Proverbs there. Yeah,
3: yeah, and I think you see these meals taking place. So uh, Passover was a meal. You also see it in Exodus twenty-four. When the covenant, God confirms the covenant, what does he do? He brings the elders of Israel up and they eat and drink before God. In the, in the, and Moses reminds us, and they did not die. Mm-hmm. They got to see, they were they ate and drank in the presence of God as an expression of the fellowship between God and his people. Now that's going to be broken real quick, Um
1: but, again, the meal idea is found through the whole Bible. Yeah, yeah. and I find it in- interesting, the contrast of what you brought out, Tim, as far as, like, when they were in Egypt, or sorry, when they left Egypt and they were wandering in the wilderness, what did they want? They wanted their, mm-hmm. the KJV says, their flesh pots, which always <laughs> was stuck with me. <laughs> yeah, meat. They wanted pot? They, pots, plural. <laughs> oh, okay. Them them <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They got plenty of pots. <laughs> yeah, they just come here. <laughs> But they were like, so There that talks about our our, our sinful, our, our sensual appetites and how pulled yeah. we are. Just like Eve, you know, when she saw the mm-hmm. fruit and she saw that it could be, you know, it's good for the, pleasing to the eyes and good for the taste, mm-hmm. you know, it just shows us how we can be pulled by our appetites. And yet they were delivered by a meal and yet they were tempted to go back mm. for a meal. I thought that was really good how you brought that out, that contrast. So, yeah.
3: Uh, Another aspect of this, too, is that meals were not only used for celebration purposes, but we also see meals, bread and wine used for mourning. Uh, Jeremiah talks about the fact that he says uh, both great and small shall die in this land. This is Jeremiah chapter 16, verse six. They shall not be buried. No one shall lament for them or cut himself or make himself bald for them. No one shall break bread for the mourner to comfort him for the dead nor shall anyone give him the cup of consolation to drink for his father or his mother so this brings up the idea that we do this with with people who have just lost a loved one we bring them meals hmm. That was the ancient custom as well was to bring bread and the cup to comfort somebody hmm. and um and so meals are a, are are a real expression so i think so often we only think about the biological nutrients we get from food we forget the fact that god ordained it the fact that we we our biological life is sustained by food mm. he could have done it a different way mm. but similarly god is yeah god is strengthening i think it's not, not like you said it's not justification it's not regenerating us but he is strengthening our spiritual lives through food mm. whenever it's combined with the word of god mm-hmm. and connected to christ it's it's a, a mysterious thing but it's true
0: all right. So as we partake, what what is being represented in the bread and in the and in the wine or in the juice that we have? That's not good juice, by the
3: way. <laughs> yeah, we need to work on that. It's disgusting. What are you gonna do about that? I
0: drank that, and then the bottom of my cup it still looked like there was juice in there because yes. it was crud all over. Mine <laughs> I too. Oh, like, yeah. I, I verbally said that. I went, well, and I like. I think I could hear that through other... <laughs> 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 You're just being moved by um, the spirit. <laughs> that's just where
2: some of the blood had coagulated. <laughs> yeah, it, was not,
0: uh, it was not good. But real quick, uh, basics, right? The base of the Lord's Supper. Bread, juice. What's it? What's it representing there?
3: Anybody? Christ for us in all that he is and all that he will ever be mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Completely... Jesus says, um, what more can a life, a friend give than he laid down his life for his friends. And here is our God who took on human flesh to give himself completely to us. Mm -hmm. And what more, (laughs) what more intimate uh, relationship can you have with God Mm -hmm. than to eat his, his uh, body and drink his blood Mm -hmm. by faith. And that's what he says, right? right? He says,
0: take this bread. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is my body right. that's broken for you.
3: right? Take
0: of this cup and drink of it. This is my right. blood right. Mm-hmm. that is shed for yeah. you. And uh, and so we think about that even as we partake of that. And like Spencer's saying, it's representing the whole of Christ there that he's given to us. And you remember Jesus had a run-in with some people before because he had said some strange things. Uh, I think in the Gospel of John, I can't remember exactly where, but where it says where he would say, "Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my mm. right, you can have no part in me." Right. And they're like, yeah, "Whoa, cannibalism!"
3: Right, yeah. right.
0: You know that was mm-hmm. odd and strange. But what she's doing, he's pointing us already at that point. Yes, to the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Unless you're willing to partake of this, which mm. means accepting it. Right. You are fully accepting when you eat of this. Right. You're fully accepting Christ and who He is and what He what he stands for mm-hmm. the world sees it as ludicrous and shameful. Mm-hmm. And you are ingesting it like this is how yeah. much I believe in. This. And I think mm. one
3: of the things that Jesus does there, because one of the things we, we would, whenever we read John six, we automatically, and I don't think, and none of us here think the bread and the cup literally turn into the body and blood of Christ.
1: Right. What's the word?
3: Uh, Transubstantiation. Trans- and we do not. Yeah. But so we don't. We don't think that. But also, and and John six is not about the Lord's Supper. No. Um, but we would automatically try to start qualifying what Jesus is saying. But why did Jesus speak in such a seemingly blunt manner? Mm-hmm. You have to. He's he's highlighting the fact that. Uh, because we would say, well, it's not really drinking the blood. It's not really eating his flesh. We would always try to qualify that right away.
0: Yeah, it tasted like blood Sunday a little bit. I
3: guess I'm just saying Jesus is intentionally putting us in a very uh, honest and open reality there of the fact that you need all of me. And all that I am for you. And that's what faith does, right, though. Yeah. Faith gives us all of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We get all of him. And faith is as easy as eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. It's Sometimes we overcomplicate faith. But faith is simply receiving, drinking Christ by faith. Mm-hmm. It's putting Christ into me by faith. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all it is. It's yeah. just receiving. Yeah. I'm starving, and he's my food. Yeah, And that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's what salvation is. John uses those kinds of things for us throughout to describe salvation.
0: Mm-hmm. And so we have this with, with the Lord's Supper and what we walk through Sunday. I don't know if we want to do it there, but just this idea of Christ fulfilling. You can spend tons and tons of time talking about all the things that Christ fulfilled. But I, I did try to show, like, we talked about Melchizedek, right? Uh, we haven't talked about it on here much, but how Melchizedek would come out with bread and wine for Abraham, and Abraham would pay tithes to Melchizedek, which seems seemingly uh, unimportant In the Old Testament, we then see Melchizedek mentioned some in the Psalms. But then all of a sudden in Hebrews, he is a key figure to prove that Jesus is our high priest. And not just our high priest, but he's the sacrifice that we needed once for all time. Because the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Not of the Levites, not of Aaron, but of Melchizedek. Because what was happening there was Abraham is paying tithes. The lesser always pays to the greater. And in the loins of Abraham is the priesthood of the Levites. And so thus they're paying tithes to Melchizedek. And by the way, Melchizedek means king of righteousness. He's the king of Salem, which is the king of peace, which Jesus is. He's the king of righteousness. He is the king of peace. And and so we see Christ fulfilling all of this. We already mentioned the Proverbs passage. Mm-hmm. He fulfills the Proverbs passage because he is wisdom mm-hmm. uh, for us. He met all the requirements of the law. Mm-hmm. That the reason, the reason, right, the day of the atonement had had to happen was because the people couldn't fulfill the law. Uh-huh. Right? You need to fulfill the law. Uh-huh. If you could fulfill the law, then you're righteous. But they couldn't. So what do we do now? Well, something needs to die. Right? Something needs to die. Well, Christ came and fulfilled that even uh, for us. There, He's the mercy seat that we yeah. sit upon. He, you know, His blood sprinkles over the mercy
3: seat so that when Father
0: sees us, He sees it
3: through the blood. Right? I mean. I was just thinking too, it's fascinating that here in Melchizedek, you talked about him, he's the one who brings the bread and wine to Abraham.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Abraham doesn't come to and find Melchizedek nope. to create a, a friendship relationship. The priest of God Most High, mm-hmm. the king of righteousness, righteousness. Brings, brings the bread and the cup to Abraham and blesses him. Mm hmm. This which sounds is, a whole lot like, I mean, what, I'm not saying, but, but, it's but it's what we have. That's what the, we have in Jesus. And, and he prepares the table. Right, and we don't have to exactly. He sits at the head of the table. Mm-hmm. Jesus, Everyone looks there and sees Tim or another pastor, but actually the person behind them mm-hmm. is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, breaking the bread mm-hmm. and passing the cup to all of us mm-hmm. who by faith receive him. Yeah. That's what's actually going on.
0: Yeah. One of the most beautiful stories to me is uh King David with Mephibosheth mm-hmm. and how Mephibosheth, um, Probably, I mean, he should have died. He was a rival. You know, he was part of the rivalry of David, that family over there. And what the kings would do would kill everybody. And then you got this lame duck guy who's hurt. Uh, he was dropped. And so he can't walk. He can't get around. And all of a sudden, he finds out David is looking for him. And he's assuming, what? I'm going to die. He's going to kill me because I'm of no use to him. Even if he saw that I was a good guy and he wanted to put me in. I can't be in the army. I, I can't do anything for this guy. Yeah. He's just going to kill me. And we have this beautiful picture of David showing him such mercy, so much so that he says, "What you're going to sit at my table." Mm-hmm. And maybe David wasn't the one cooking the food, but it was David allowing him to have the food. Mm-hmm. Who's David providing the food? And he said, "You're going to sit here forever mm-hmm. with me. I'm going to take care of you. Everything's provided. Everything is provided for you, right?" It's just this beautiful picture, and it's similar to what we have in the in the Lord's Supper when we sit and eat together. Yeah, Christ. We have his body and his blood, not, nothing else. We're not making some, that was part of the Corinthians problem. They were having a meal, this big meal. Paul's saying, you guys are doing this wrong. Mm-hmm. What you're doing, right? It's, it's simple. Yep. Take this bread, take this cup, mm. right? And <clears throat> we do that together. So let's ask the question real quick. Uh kind of how we ended the service. As we observe the Lord's Supper together, what is, what is happening In that moment, because I mean, technically, uh, like, do we have to have, could I just say, guys, you can remember the Lord's Supper. Yeah, we don't have bread today and we don't have juice today, but here it is, you know, uh, just think about it. Is that the same? Or is actually partaking, you know, something in, 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 is it different than other services? Other worship services that we have is—is is there some specialness to it or or what? That that's kind of what I was trying to think about and asking that question of, what is happening when we partake? Because we already mentioned like uh, the Roman Catholic Church believes in transubstantiation; they believe one hundred percent they are eating of His flesh and drinking of His blood. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. And so to say, well, just think about it. They would say, we can't just think about it; mm-hmm. we have to eat it. Right. And that's why um, their mass and all that is so, mm-hmm. so important of what they're receiving. Uh, but what about us? Because I think you have that end, but you also have another end of the spectrum with Lord's Supper, which Baptists are accused of probably the most, probably non denominational churches now, too, I would say, of it's strictly a memory, 100%. Mm. And so that's all it is. We're just thinking about Christ, thinking about what He did, and that's the whole point of this. Nothing more is taking place here than that. So you got kind of two ends of the of the spectrum, uh, both of which I think are are not correct. And so then, what is happening, and why is it important then that we are here, present, partaking of this together? And the way I put it out was a past thought present and also a future Mm -hmm. reality that is happening and taking place and so in the past as we partake we do remember what christ has done for us we do remember what the bread and what the blood represent which we've already been talking about we reflect on that and those truths about who christ is and what he has done for us and also Um, This is where I talked a little bit about the importance of baptism within Lord's Supper too. Because with the Passover, you know the rules were very clear. Unless you're circumcised, you cannot partake of this. Yes, that's an outward sign, but you need to have the outward sign. Baptism, similarly, yes, it's an outward sign. It's not what saves you, just like this supper isn't what's saving you and justifying you. But it's an outward sign that God has changed your life, has saved you, has poured his grace out on you and that you are a part of his body, the church. And we have that, uh, again, that sign, that outward sign in, in baptism. Uh, When we water that down,
1: hey,
0: there it is. Wow. (laughs) When we start to water that down, Spencer, I think you were mentioning earlier, we start to distinguish, I think a little too much between physical and spiritual, Mm -hmm. right? Where we Mm -hmm. say the physical doesn't matter to the spiritual. But in scripture, we see something different
3: with Mm -hmm. that. Again, I was just thinking of the Israelites who uh, in the wilderness, right? God says, you want quail? Mm -hmm. I'll send you some quail. (laughs) Then it says they died while it was in their teeth.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Again, the highlighting the fact that, you know, um, again, there's a connection between the body and the soul. Um, uh, Similarly here, I think. What we have in the Lord's Supper, what I this is how I uh, approach it. I think from First Corinthians chapter ten, mm-hmm. Paul gives the warning to them, um, tells them about the Israelites in the past, and and you read these verses, Tim. Mm-hmm. The cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And we do know people died in corinth at least that's what he says right some of you have died and we don't have said some sick some have been some sick, have and some have died, died because of why eating wrongly mm-hmm. and so i what's happening here is not that christ's human nature is being like injected into the bread and the cup but the person of christ is here and and behind through it all i mean he's here Of course, whenever the word is preached and read, he's here at every, but then whenever the Lord's Supper is happening, Jesus is there really administering the supper to us. And it's just like, and he's speaking to the church as his bride and through the giving and receiving of bread and the cup, he is once again, speaking to us and reminding us of his love to us of here's my body, which was broken for you. Here's my cup, which I Representing my blood that I shed for you, take it and receive it. And in doing that, our our husband, our the 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 head of the church, is reminding his bride of his love for them. And then also, in response to that, we we once again uh, freely give ourselves back to him. And when we give ourselves back to him, we're also binding ourselves to all the others around us. In one sense, I just as we're told in in Ephesians there's only one baptism because sometimes we think about whenever baptism happens it's every like a bunch of individual baptisms but i think actually in the truest sense of the word there's only one baptism we're just all put into it we all share one spiritual reality one name that we're put into similarly there's only really, there's there's many manifestations of this Lord's Supper, but there's actually just one big meal going on through all of time that is ultimately going to be experienced in the new heavens and the new earth. We're still sitting at, whenever we eat the bread and drink the cup, we don't simply have communion. We have communion with Jesus, the one Christ. We have communion with each other in our present time, but we also have communion with all the saints of all the ages who are at that table, spiritually speaking, as well, and that is a that's the kind of thing where you are talking about, Tim. Where this has been done for thousands of years, there is a spiritual sense in which we're sitting at the same table because of our union with Christ. We're sitting at the same table with James and Peter and John, uh, Paul, Saint Augustine, Martin Luther, uh, Charles Spurgeon. We're sitting at the same table. Uh, we don't see them all here right now, but are we are united to them because we're united to christ and that perfect union will be seen perfectly um, in the new heavens and the new earth which we look forward to Mm -hmm. Um, so there's the one baptism but i think there's a sense as well which there's there's only one supper it's we get to taste it multiple times in this life before we get to fully enter into it in the next world
0: yeah and that's part of the present part that you were talking about that jesus being here with us is important if he's not here. Yeah. And I had somebody ask me a question, I'm sure it was a good question, and it made me think of something that I had read, but just like, you know, isn't Jesus always here with us? It's like, yes, we where two or three are gathered, there I am. But we also know that as believers, he is with us. I will never leave you nor forsake mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. And so there seems to be these different aspects though of being here with us. Right. Of what that means. Right. And and we don't think he's here bodily like some people would teach because we believe he's bodily sitting at the right hand of the father interceding which pastor scott will be preaching on next sunday night uh, on intercession christ intercession and uh and so but what does that what does that mean i think it's okay to sit in the mystery of that also of saying maybe we don't fully know what that means but what we do know is he is here with us and he says that and what one of the writers said I wish I could remember who it was to give credit to, but he said, he said, don't get me wrong. Christ might show up to you in your car when you're singing a worship song, and that's great, but does it happen every time? No, mm-hmm. it doesn't, does it? Yeah. Christ might show up to you when you're reading your Bible at home in a special way, but does that happen every day? No, you mm-hmm. probably, hopefully read your Bible every day, and it's just a no- normal day, mm-hmm. right? But what you can be guaranteed of, Every time you come to sit at this table mm-hmm. with your church family, the Lord is there right. showing up.
3: Yeah. Yep. He and says, meet me there. Meet me there.
0: Yeah. And so you don't have to wonder, will the song get me today? <laughs> will this passage really speak to me today? Will the pastor do a good job today? or Or whatever it is throughout the week. You know, when I go to my deer blind, will the sunrise really get me today so that Jesus right. shows up mm-hmm. at the Lord's table? He's there because if he's not, then there's nothing to eat <laughs> there's nothing there yeah mm-hmm. i mean
2: we also want to be really clear what you're not saying is that every time you partake of the lord's supper you're going to get the warm fuzzy feeling like what you're talking about that you sometimes feel when you're listening to the song right. of the no. car no mm-hmm. right that's not what we're saying right yeah we're saying that he has told us that he's there right but, but i where there's a difference between but the warm I, fuzzy feeling yes but what and i would faith.
0: say is there is something at least in my experience with worship services and i read this again in one of the accounts is almost every time I've been in a Lord's Supper service where I took it in what I would call a worthy manner, according to Scripture, at the end of that service, there was a contemplation and a realization of Christ more so than in most services I'm ever in mm. because I have that visibility thing, mm. and it forces me to reflect on Christ and who he is. Mm. I can't help but do it. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like When the pastor's up there preaching, I can do doze off and fade away. But when I'm holding this cracker and I'm holding this juice and the pastor says, take eat, this is my body. I taste it. I can't help, but think about what this is representing Mm -hmm. when I'm drinking it. I can't help. And so I think it's fair to say that the Lord's supper service almost always is a special time where it might not be the same warm, fuzzy feelings we're talking about of like, some hallelujah chorus or whatever that you're singing. Yeah, that's what I was meaning. But yeah. there is a feeling,
3: I think, that is different. Hmm. Well, and I think I think as well. It takes faith to take the Lord's Supper. It reminds me of that hymn we sing, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus name. And it takes faith to take the bread and the cup and to really say I'm I'm gonna put all my chips on what this represents, and that that takes faith. And sometimes, sometimes, yeah, you, the feelings will not be there. And also, I think this is important too. The Lord's Supper isn't intended to only only strengthen us at that moment. Hmm. It's supposed to have, uh, a, a, just like the preaching of the word. It's not like you get only shocked right then and and that's it. And then you come back next week for another, one uh, what, what of those things that the, yeah. the people do to like just shock you. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, that's not what this is for. This is food to get you yeah. through. Like this is, this is what God gives us to sustain us, to help us persevere in this life, hmm. right? Yeah. And that's what now you're... I thought of a good example. But okay, I, go ahead, go ahead. Coffee's a defibrillator
0: that you guys need. It's just a shock to get you through, but you really need something that sustains.
2: It's more like a pacemaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pace yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah there true. you go. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. Good, like good, point, yeah. good point, Scott. Good point, Scott. Yeah. For the week and sick. Yeah. There was. I know we're talking about like what's presently happening in the Lord's Supper, but there was something that you said in your sermon that I I want to remind us of that because I thought it was a very good reminder that when Israel would practice the uh, Passover. And they would slaughter the lamb and they would be confronted with death and judgment. That is something that as we, I mean, as Christ did tell us, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of what I have done, right? His, his body, what are we remembering? His body that was broken. Mm-hmm. What are we remembering? His blood that was shed. And so there is a powerful element to remembering and looking to the past of just thinking about the slaughter of the son of God
1: mm-hmm.
2: and what happened on the cross and the fact that that happened in your place. Mm-hmm. Right. If you partake by faith. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I I think sometimes I hear a lot of like, we yes, we want to emphasize what's presently going on. But uh, I, I think that was a helpful reminder to us of like they would see this slaughter the blood shed on the ground and the death of this animal when we take the lord's supper we're reminding ourselves of the death of christ uh on our behalf um and that that just that's that's a helpful reminder Mm -hmm. i think because it should have been your blood that was shed it should have been your body that is broken for your own sin Um, but Christ has done that in your place, Mm -hmm. right? And that is a historical thing Mm -hmm. that has happened that you have to remember. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, we have a past thing that we remember in Christ's death. We have a present thing of understanding that Christ is with us. And then there's also, lastly, that future aspect that we think about and that needs to be mentioned at the Lord's Supper because he says, do this when or as long as until I come, until I come again. And there's a promise that, and I I think the Isaiah passage that I read Alludes to the day when we can eat with him again, uh, in perfect peace, with no more tears in anybody's eyes. Uh, but we're promised, we're promised a meal, in the new heavens and new earth, uh, with Christ at the head, at the head of the table, and we look forward to that day as Christians. I, I would assume many people. I don't want to say everybody, because there's outliers for sure. But I'm sure most people look forward to those meals with family, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up pretty soon. A lot of people look forward to that. People will travel or whatever to get to family. And what's the purpose of it to, to eat a meal together, yeah. to sit and eat a meal. Mm-hmm. And there's more though, that goes with that, right? You're probably also going to sit on the couch together. You might watch some football together. You might play some games together, whatever it might be, but just, it's all centered around this, this meal and you're going to celebrate together. And we've been promised as believers that we we have that day coming with our Lord and Savior when we're gonna see him face to face and sit and like as Spencer was saying, we're gonna to get to see those people of history mm. with us. You know, yeah. and Dave, as you mentioned, Abraham is our father.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Moses is our great prophet also. It's not just for the Jews, it's for us too. And they'll be there. Mm. And we'll get to be with them as a family. And we won't sit around thinking how cool this is. You know, there's there's my grandpa and there's this it's it's everyone's going to be focused on. Mm. There he is. Mm. You know, the one that forever we took the Lord's Supper. Mm. We ate of his body, we drank of his blood. But there he is preparing for us a table now. Mm. Uh, and we get to do this forever, eternity forever. And so as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're we're proclaiming that we believe that and that we want that to come mm. and that we're praying for that day mm. uh, to happen. Mm-hmm. So there's past, there's present and there's there's future realities that are taking place when we uh, partake of Lord's Supper together. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys got I, anything I else? I think
1: it's neat that Jesus refers to the coming kingdom as a wedding feast. Because mm-hmm. if, you know, you go to a wedding, it's like, yeah, the ceremony is nice. You know, it can it can kind of be tedious or drag on, but then you go to the reception and that's fun you know it's like you get to have a meal together you get to catch up you know sometimes when we go if i've done a wedding or we go to a wedding we haven't seen people for years it's like oh it's so you catch up with people you know you go around you talk to people and stuff and and that's just that reception and i think that's a great picture of what we have to look forward to and there's going to be a meal Mm -hmm. you know and we won't get overly full Well, or feel whatever. Well, awful afterward.
0: Not bloated after. Exactly. Not
3: bloated.
1: (laughs) No indigestion, heartburn.
3: (laughs) We don't have
0: to watch the Lions lose after that
3: meal. Wow. That's good. Like Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'll be able to put Diablo sauce on everything. (laughs) That's not good sauce. It does not taste good, It's going to be renamed, though. It's not going to be Diablo sauce. (laughs) Angelic, maybe? Maybe (laughs) angelic sauce. (laughs) Well... Uh,
0: that this might be different for some people with the Lord's Supper. You know, I had somebody after church say, I've never, I've never seen the connection between Lord's Supper and Old Testament. First time, you know, hmm. uh, which is a cool, I mean, it, it's a sad thing to hear. I wish they had heard that before, but glad that they heard it now uh, to see the connections. But um, again, I hope it's highlighting that what we do in worship is important and there's a place and a reason for the things we do, what we do. We can't just be, what I would say is just like willy-nilly with it let's just do whatever we want. Uh, we got to be careful with that because God has prescribed for us things to do and worship and there's meaning behind them and there's reasons and purposes for our good, right for our benefit and so that we can worship him acceptably and worship him well. And so that's why we're doing this series. We want to be faithful in how we how we worship God and Really, one of the first things we see here is with, with Lord's Supper. So next week is baptism. We'll be focusing on uh, on baptism. We actually have a, a couple people who've come forward uh, to be baptized, so we thank God for that. We're looking forward to that. Maybe maybe a couple more. I don't know, some people are talking about it with some of their children, praying about it, some others. So uh, be praying for them and thinking about them uh, as you listen to this. But we really hope to see you uh, Sunday, Lord willing. But until then, we hope that you have a, a great week. God bless.